Hey everybody, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream with a great guest that I think you're really going to enjoy. So this is going to be a little bit of a throwback uh, for people who haven't been extremely online for a very long time, who aren't familiar with the right-wing discourse and Gamergate and the battle against the, the social justice warriors and, and all of that deep lore. You might not be familiar with the Young Turks. It's an online... Uh, they're just online, right? Geo, they don't they don't have a they they had a brief, I think they had a brief stint with MSNBC or they were lobbying to get on and they managed to get on. This was like see, I know the deep lore, okay. I've been on YouTube long enough as a lurker <laughs> to know. So yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. They're they're this online super progressive outlet, and uh they've always kind of had this really cartoonish dynamic between kind of the two main hosts, uh Chank Uger and uh, and Anna Kasparian. Uh, lot, lots of good uh, lol cow moments, uh, many, many great uh, reaction videos in kind of the skeptic sphere and others. There's, there's like a rite of passage. You weren't really on right wing YouTube until you had made fun of, of the Young Turks yeah. at some point, right? You had yeah. done that video. But, uh, and I haven't watched them for years. You know, I, I'm not really familiar with the goings ons. But I had noticed on Twitter that there was some anger. You know, uh, it, it seemed that Anna Kasparian had run afoul of the left on a, a couple different occasions. And, and there was a notable pattern that was arriving. And lo and the whole, behold, this week we're starting to get a lot of, oh, man, Anna Kasparian leaving the left, uh, red-pilled. You know, we finally won her over. The big conversion I is... Happening. I believe New York Post had an article titled "The The Awakening of Anna Kasparian." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so many of you have already noted. I can already see in the chat, a chat. You know, the question of the stream is: Is Anna Kasparian red pilled? And yeah, uh, spoiler at the beginning: the answer is no. Uh, so no. everybody, we can just yeah, the stream's over. Have a great day. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for swinging by. But no, I wanted to have Gio on, and I'm sorry, I haven't even introduced Gio. We just jumped right into the, the discussion. But uh, Gio, excellent uh, co-host of the Gulag Archipelago. I so often have uh, your your uh, your cohort on. Cohort uh, and co-host and, yes. and uh, co-partner in crime. Everybody's favorite frog, the Prudentialist. But today, Gio is with us. And uh, so Gio is going to help me break this down, because we want to yeah. kind of go over the events that led to this, why this seems to be a cycle that recurs over and over again, why the right doesn't seem to ever learn any lessons from this yeah. cycle, and kind of what we can do from here. Um, so the first thing I want to do is just jump over to a little bit of predictions. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to brag ever so slightly here on, uh, on stream here. Uh, just one moment. So on Twitter, I, predicted the course that this would oh, take. Here we go. the trajectory of the young turks uh, you're pretty good at this this is what i originally <laughs> saw on i posted on telegram a, a rant about telegram.com slash channel productions um but yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah 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 no we'll get to your rant because it's important here but oh, yeah so so this was the um th this was kind of the development i saw so first you know back in uh march we saw anna kasparian talking about uh not wanting to be referred to as a birthing person or like a bonus hole or, you know, whatever the new, <laughs> the never, never, the new anti-woman trans uh, ideology language. Is, I have a hot right? take on that, but let's get through this first about that first tweet, but let's, yeah, let's go through. It. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get it all. We will collect all the hot takes. That, that's yeah. why we're here. This sometimes the stream is about deep theory, but today the stream 
is about hot cakes. So, uh, you know, she starts off with the same place a lot of people have. A lot of women, uh, a lot of feminists uh, have kind of run afoul of the left here. Uh, they thought they were actually on board. They thought feminism meant fighting for like women's rights and stuff. And oh, oh you sweet summer child. No, feminism is about the destruction of Western civilization. That That's actually what it's about. It's the destruction of the family. It's the destruction of society. Um, and you you just bought into the propaganda. And so she's over here saying, oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to be on their side. I, you know, I'm not leaving the left, but I just can't do this. And I was like, oh, no you will become a neoconservative like that will happen like you like i can already see what's gonna happen next and by the way i should probably go ahead and um clarify a lot of people have taken neoconservatism to just mean pro-war a lot of people just no. throw, anyone anyone who's, who's a neocon is pro-war right but originally the neoconservative movement while it was a big part of you know the cold warriors and fighting the soviet union that was a big part of it and expansionism that way uh, it was also about uh, a bunch of liberals who didn't like the social degradation that was happening, right? A bunch of people who had been leftists, but but you know the old joke is a neoconservative is a is a leftist that got mugged, right? They they realized that there were consequences to the ideology uh, that they had in uh, they had embraced, and they start becoming conservative, but they still bring along kind of all of those values they had as leftists. They kind of just superficially change a few of their policies and so when i'm saying neoconservative i don't mean anna kasparian's gonna be declaring war on who knows though turkey and uh, it might happen well uh, maybe i mean turkey's not going along with the consensus of the eu exactly. so yeah. yeah you never know eh? she she, she <laughs> might be on board with it but but yeah no the um but, but my point is not that she's going to become some war hawk my point is she's going on that neoconservative journey she's going on that cycle uh that neocon cycle so this was uh this was step one here uh, step two, uh, we had uh, her complaining about her condo board and how the Green New Deal was basically making it <laughs> impossible for her to live in her area anymore. Uh, which, again, you know, the the financial policies. I now I've ascended to you know to like an upper middle class status. Uh, I, I'm part of the laptop class. I'm part of the the bourgeoisie, and so. Uh, actually, it turns out it's not that bad, and I don't want people to mess with it anymore. So my she, radical leftism. She's speed running 1980s Reaganism right, right. here. So, you know, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, and so then the next one. Now this one is Chank. To be fair, though, we will later talk about how actually this really happened to Anna, and I did not know about this, but but we'll get into this. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, uh, Chank saying the right is more tolerant than the left. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> so much for the for the tolerant left. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the tolerance of the left has gone, and it turns out that yeah. uh, that actually uh, the right is the more tolerant party. And then finally, boom! You know, we're here. Here we are. Exactly. Oh, counterpoints. <laughs> I have nothing against counterpoints. I remember streaming with him back on uh, the Fall of the Rules days. But yeah, that's. Oh no, this is, I, I don't. Yeah. I just I just pulled this because he had posted the the big thumbnail. I think which is actually from. It's a pretty start. good clickbait. I mean, yeah. even the even this stream, like the red the red pills around Annika Spear. That's pretty. Those, <laughs> Thanks. Those yeah, pretty no. That, like like I said, everyone knew where the stream was going immediately. Yeah. But you know, we got to bring we got to bring that. Uh, that Steve Turley style uh, clickbait, you know, like, you know, the, you learn from the professionals here. He knows how to drive that traffic. All right. So the point is, Gio, this is an entirely predictable thing. But why? Like, why? Why, is, why does this happen over and over again? Why do we see this cycle occur? 
Well, I, I was thinking about what to say on stream, and I think, like you said, this is going to be a hot take stream, but I think that we could fit some grand um, political strategy theory into this. Now, let me take you back. Now, Oren, you are older than me, okay? I just turned 30. Um, so you're an old head, okay. as I am an old head. But let's take you back to the halcyon days of YouTube, back when, I'll tell you what Atal is. This is how old I am. When the, the trending bar had categories that actually mattered. Okay. Yes. yes. The political ones had two or three major people. TYT next to Stefan Molyneux when he was known as Stefbot. Yeah. Stefbot and Alex Jones. Okay. Now all three determined the course of political discourse on YouTube for a very long time before Gamergate. Then, you know, Gamergate came about the original alt-right, they got bodied, they were cleared away by YouTube, and then, of course, the bread tubers came up, and now you have um, obnoxious grifter bread tubers that have read, like, maybe a few um, pamphlets here and there, and somehow they all have 100,000 to 300,000 subscribers. I don't know how. Um, so TOAT was integral to this political thing, but I think, see, me and Prudentialists talk about this a lot. You know, when, I, when I'm not doing content mind of my own show and Prudentialist isn't doing observations, you know, we come together once a week to Archipelago. Uh, we talk about how the often forgotten intra-period between the Bush administration and Obama. This is where political discourse really gets cemented when it comes to the internet age. And people don't, people don't forget about this. And TYT was integral to this. Now, there was a, like, and, and okay, so this debate around the trans thing, right? Okay. My theory going into this when you propose the stream is that they're selectively pulling back before they could fully normalize the true social policy. Now, there are a number of conservatives, more paleocons, and some who weren't paleocons back in the Bush years, going into Obama years, that saw the same thing with certain moderate voices on the left. Um, I believe Joe Scarborough was one. There was a few others. And I, I don't know, maybe it's imprudent to bring up your boss, but to give him credit, Glenn Beck actually did predict this back in the day. If I recall that when it came to the debate around gay marriage, there were leftists, like not leftists, but there were like left liberals that were selectively pulling back when it came to legislation that said, maybe we're going too far. And of course they were chastised in radical circles because as you know, the radical nature of certain, you know, cauldrons or let's call them secular madrasas of political thought on the, on the left they then become normalized after time. But the way you do this is by pulling back very briefly so conservatives can like lower their guard. And then you start to normalize it through the culture. And then you bring in legislation. So this happened during the Bush years with gay marriage. What happened under Obama? By the stroke of the pen, gay marriage was legalized. Now conservatives like at the National Review come in and say, the debate is over. It's, it's done. The conservative case for gay marriage, because don't you know, they want to be as unhappy as everyone else who's married, blah, blah, blah. We all know this. So I think people don't realize that this debate sort of in a different way, but in a similar way happened already. And TYT was on their ascendancy at this time. So there were conservatives, I believe in Pat Buchanan that predicted this, like, don't trust these people on the political left that say that, well, I'm a moderate. We shouldn't push this on people who are Christians that don't blah, blah, blah. That's that's just smoking mirrors. But of course, normie conservatives go along with it. Now, to address this point about Anna Kasparian, is that, okay, here's another controversial political take. And I know this is like somewhat vulgar Freudianism. And as a youngian, I have to denounce, right? But 
when it comes to like the libidinal exchange of politics, there's a libidinal exchange there. What do I mean by this? There's an inherent eroticism to all politics. Okay. There's a sort of a libidinal nature to them. So people enact out their libidos through the political. So for example, this happens again and again in the political right. When you have an ex quote unquote ex leftist, who's like, uh, you know, somewhat attractive, there tends to be this thing of like, well, she's my base mommy. That's like, you know, she sees through the contradictions of the left and the cycle repeats. And of course they really don't because the slightest pushback from the right, as you know, leads to disastrous results. This happened with the rad femmes with a select few ones who are cool, like, you know, Mary Harrington and so forth. Some of my friends, but there was a moment in the 2010s when it came to like the red Brown Alliance and people were talking about this and there's this big tent, but really like that all dissipated because these people, like you have to realize that the real hot take here is that the right wing or even just conservatives in general, especially in North America, suffer this crisis of the optics of legitimacy. That's what drives all of this. So when an ex-leftist, especially a mildly attractive ex-leftist, you know, not really ex-left, like, you know, listen, all left, no ex, right? You know, <laughs> um, you know, all rad femme, no, never mind, never mind. It's, um, so the point being is that there is a crisis of the perception of legitimacy when it comes to various right-wing and conservative ideas. So when it comes out of the mouth of babes of a quote-unquote ex-leftist, then it, it carries with it the weight of legitimacy more. Some, for some crazy reason by, the, by you know, people that are in the know, quote-unquote, like Anna Kasparian. So I think it comes down to the fact that the right acknowledges that the, in terms of like institutional power or the perception of legitimacy of various thinkers on the right, um, we're like, well, we're not, we're, we're an outlaw mud show to use a wrestling term. We're not the real big leagues. We're like an indie, you know, we have, we we're wrestling the bear. We have the barbed wire match, you know, it's like uh, anything to draw the crowd, right? We're not the real, we're not like Vince McMahon. We're not the WWE. We're not the legitimate, you know, real uh, sports entertainment. So when it comes down to it, I think the reason that a lot of people that find not even like a huge, but like a momentary disenfranchisement with the political left is the reason they're received. So, you know, so with arms wide open, so graciously by the political right, I wouldn't say all the political right. I would say mostly the punditry class is because there is this perception that, well, if we can get them on their side or our, sorry, on our side, and we really don't have any legitimate thinkers of our own, we really don't have any legitimate institutions of our own. Therefore it sounds better, but I would not to say that this is planned though. Of course, I'm not saying this is a conspiracy, but I wouldn't put it past this being a way to strategically ratchet down the excesses of social policy, especially in North America, especially around things like trans stuff when it comes to children, that there's a selective ratcheting down temporarily until it can then be normalized because this happened with gay marriage. And there are people like Pat Buchanan um, that called it out perfectly, that don't trust these moderate people that go on Meet the Depressed 
ah, that's a Michael Savage term, meet the depressed. And, you know, say that, well, actually, I, I personally believe in gay marriage. I believe in freedom. But when it comes to legislation that would, you know, it would anger these like so powerful religious right people that is apparently still have power. Um, then it's like, you know, you know what's going to happen. I, I wouldn't, I would think that there will be certain people in the political left. Now, what I, before I, I'm, I'm rambling right now, but the one hot take I would think when you were reading that thread that you put out is that that first tweet, notice the language, okay? I don't want to be known as a uterus, which is a legitimate criticism. And, you know, the thing is, for all of the flaws of feminism, I think feminism is a very complicated subject. And, of course, Soren, you brought me on as, the you know, the, the number one uh, woman respecter on the <laughs> right. So, you know, as, as destructive and as mundacious and as, you know, very harmful a lot of the excess of feminist ideology is, I think that when you look at the sort of transformation of society and you look at the place of it, it's a very complicated history. Because in some ways, and this isn't my take, this is my good friend Nightmare Vision's take, that uh, he said this on Night Owls, that, you know, feminism really led the way in terms of social activism. Before there was the LGBTQ plus III, you know, in Canada, I have to be aware, because I'm in Canada, I have to say the full thing now, according to Justin Trudeau. Uh, Before you know, or after the land acknowledgement, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, I acknowledge that I am on stolen land, I am on Iroquois land right now, you know, but Joe, I don't, listen, I don't want any Mounties breaking in and stealing you in the middle of this interview. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So apparently now with the Bill C-17, uh, what's it called? Yeah. So, um, no, so feminism really in terms of the regime of signs of how you do social political activism, the motifs of it, it was number one for a reason. Because, of course, women not only are, you know, half the population, but also women were selectively uh, back, like way back, I would say even a hundred years ago in the beginning of the suffrage movement, certain upper-class, you know, women had a degree of political agency, at least in terms of influencing social policy and social life. And there's a lot of critique within academia about, um, you know, how like a certain form of like bourgeois white girl feminism, like that's evil because it still constitutes heteronormativity and so forth. And we can go on and on. And I think like the bashing of white women as well as sort of like, you know, it's, I understand in turn, but when you look at voting patterns, of course, in America, this isn't true. I mean, white women who were married voted for Trump overwhelmingly. So like, I think the the right plays into a lot of that manosphere discourse about bashing white women. That's kind of like not the point, but that's besides the point. Notice how she used the language of uterus and reproduction. Now, Anna Kasparian is like an old school rad fan, at, at least in part, you know. So that language around the reproductive system of women, to her, that robs her of her agency because that's really like it's the typical like trans exclusive radical feminist viewpoint of you're lowering the woman to reproduction, which is just the same as those evil conservative right-wing religious reactionaries that want to lower the place of women as basically a baby-making factory. So I think like her being like of an older school of rad femme, she finds that language very alienating because it reminds her of like the sort of, you know, biological function of women, which I mean, you could say in one light is a legitimate critique, but in another light, it's, it's sort of like, I'm pushing back on the trans stuff. But when it comes to everything else, though, I mean, yes, the right is evil. You have to remember that Annika, you know, I, I was going to say, no, I shouldn't say that. A friend of the show, Annika Chai, Annika Sperian. No, no, don't mix the two. Don't mix the two. 
Um, Anna Kasparian, on the eve of Trump's election, were you watching, Oren? What did she say uh, the day after? She said, "If you, that for YouTube purposes, I'm not going to say it, but she said more or less, if you're a Trump voter, that you should sunset yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, we have to remember this. Oh, so, yeah. But I think, like, to wrap this all up, Oren, this long rant, there is a libidinal nature to right-wing and even left-wing politics. The trans stuff is full of it. And I mean, that's probably YouTube unfriendly to talk about it. But um, you had this great stream with Prudentialist where you were trying to like dance around it. It was very funny. Um, But no, I think like when it comes specifically to a lot of the, and I know, listen, I'm not saying all right-wingers. There's a lot of right-wing people have called this out. I'm saying the punditry class of conservatives that are writing these think pieces about Anna Kasparian. There's something of like, the, the sort of like Fox News anchor effect where it's like, I'm attracted to this exotic other because, you know, she's Armenian and she's, you know, a leftist. And it's like, ooh, a leftist, is, a leftist woman who's mildly attractive is paying attention to me. It's like this very weird, like, punditry class obsession they have that comes down to, like, libidinal politics, in my opinion. And, that's, and a lot of people in the right wing, the frogs, I know, have, like, said, well, we've seen this before. If you've been around this discourse, you've seen this. And it's like, it's it's so apparent what they're trying to do that they're either they're securing another grift or it's like the Tulsi Gabbard thing where it's like, um, you know, I don't like the woke stuff. I'm still on left, but like, or like even, I, I guess like uh, the equivalent would be uh, RFK Jr. Now I don't know what your opinion is RFK Jr. But it's like, I, I, I have a huge grain of salt when it comes to like the base leftist politician that's like, you know, talking about my heck and wholesome working class. I think that there's something there. I think if it's not conscious subversion, because again, I wouldn't put out those conspiracies. There is at least in part a sort of, I'm trying to play to a different audience that is disenfranchised because maybe when it comes to the, the greater view of the empire, like I mentioned in that tweet below your tweet thread, um, if things are going really bad, with certain geopolitical excursions of the empire in Eastern Europe, in particular, if you know the one, um, I wouldn't put it past a lot of people within the State Department elsewhere to say, well, you know, the chuds, the mind chuds, the right wing chuds, the magatards, they're the ones who are like the Katraya, you know, warrior cast in America still. So if they're not going to go along with it, we're pretty much screwed. Because, I mean, I know that the left has... Appalachia isn't leaders. exactly signing up for the military the way they they used to. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So I think if they try to consciously not alienate them as hardcore as they did during the Obama years, certainly during the Trump years, there's probably something to it. But anyways, and Rand, that's a very long rant. I'm sorry, Warren. <laughs> go ahead, my friend. It's okay. No, I think there's a, a lot of really good points in there to, to kind of pull apart. The first thing I would say is I think you're absolutely right about kind of a lock-in phase, right? Both both academic agent and I have talked about how many of the biggest gains of the left actually happen while the right is in power, right? Like that's that's when, like you said, the conservatives let down their guard, a lot of things get normalized, mm-hmm. and then when the left comes back into power, basically there's no defense up and they just they just run roughshod over a lot of this. So I think there's a couple different things going on. Like first. I don't think this particular, though you might be right that in general they're trying to ratchet some of this stuff down. I don't think in particular Anna's uh, stuff is is particularly manufactured. I think it's all kind of no. sincere. Uh, I think she really does believe it and find herself in this scenario uh, because you know I, I put out a piece called the neocon cycle and she's just kind of following every step of the neocon cycle. 
uh, you know, she had a certain position in the revolution. She thought that was the vanguard tip of the spear of the revolution. Uh, once the revolution moved past that goal, all of a sudden she's in a scenario where she's still fighting for the last version of progressivism. You know, she's yeah. still, where's yeah. my, where's my economic progressivism? Where's my Bernie Sanders progressivism? Oh, well it, it was, it, it was dead. It's, it's nothing. It was just a tool of, of the revolution. It's, they never actually meant any of that stuff. Same thing with your feminism. Like that's all in the trash. Now you're, you're no longer the important thing. At that point, the answer is like, either you can just knuckle under, under and stay with the movement and go to the next thing. Or, you can stand on principle, at least to some extent, and get chipped off the block, right? Like you, yeah. you can just get kind of thrown in the trash there. And so I think that, uh, and a lot of right wingers don't understand this. They're like, oh, the left eats its own. The left eats its own. They're, they're going to destroy <laughs> themselves. No, guys. No, this is a key part of the process. Like the left is shaving off anybody who isn't 100% malleable, yeah. who isn't 100% willing to go into the revolution wherever they take it right and yeah. so and so uh, if you one of the ways you can know that the that the uh, the gains are being locked in the ratchet is being locked in is people like anna fall off that that's yeah. how you know is because actually these people can no longer stay with the revolution the left is purifying itself it's not that eating its own the the other thing is that this pays a key, uh, a key part of the process in containing the right. Because as these people fall off, as you noted, the right wants to pick them up. And the reasons are yeah. pretty simple. These people are often high profile, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they are people who are closer to the revolution's last kind of update. And so they have more social cachet. They are seen as more reasonable. They are seen as yeah. more high status. They don't have all the low status opinions and low status uh, you know, markers that are attached to all the right wingers. And so they think if we can just capture this high status person, this person who was part of the revolution and had an audience, then they'll bring those people with them. And we'll, and, and this is another part of it because of kind of the dialectic and the, the nature of the democratic process. They look at this and they say, oh, well, we're winning once we get these people, right? If we can just capture these people, then we yeah. will have won the argument. We'll have the majority, and everything I've learned about politics means if I have the majority, I win, right? That, that's how politics works. It's about you know compelling enough people and capturing the majority. But of course, we both know that's not what happens. These people get brought into the movement. They get given uh, positions of leadership and status, and then they pull the right to the left they pull the right to the center or to the left yeah i was going to mention that yeah yeah and, and so the, and so uh so uh, anna kasparian falling off of the left is actually a critical part of building a containment for the right to make sure that the right is always shifting in the direction of people like her and away from uh, you know people like pat buchanan right who who yeah. knew all this stuff was coming anyway and warned everybody but now we're not paying attention to the religious right people from the 80s who perfectly predicted the future and we should absolutely have been listening to the whole time. Instead, we're listening to the person who was a feminist and who was on board with every part of the trans stuff until it started destroying the female yeah. identity. You know, yeah. like th these are now the prophets of the right, right? And this is how we end up with Caitlyn Jenner conservatism because they think if you can just capture, <laughs> you know, that's that that part of the, of the movement, then you'll be able to kind of turn every... Vic victory is just one step away and if we can just bring one of yeah. these people in then then we've kind of solved the problem and so that's why you see so many people jumping on top of this and trying to claim this as a victory instead of understanding like 
oh no, yeah. if you don't gatekeep against this person, they're just going to completely pull you to where the left was a few years ago. Oh yeah, definitely. The grifter class has gone insane. Uh, that's a great point. Let me add to it now. Um, I have to like, listen. I have to be careful of, of what I say because my GF is going to be listening to this. So I have to like be <laughs> careful on the woman question. Long house right? already. Yeah, no, go yeah, I'm long out exactly. I know it's been long host already, right? So, so for those of you who think I'm just talking nonsense, uh, yes, um, you know, uh, I'm not like as much of uh, you know, whatever stereotype, but yes, I, but in my heart though, I am still a true cell in my heart. So. But when it comes to women, women are very complicated when it comes to the political questions between the prevailing ideologies, because on the one hand, you do have the the dilution of discourse among the political right. A lot of, you know, a lot of the frogs in particular feel that you should gatekeep them out, that they inevitably will delude in terms of not just political ideas, but the operation, the sort of greater subtext or the images of thought of how you conduct Disc political discourse, especially on the internet, um, I noticed that, you know, and listen, I, I say this with kindness, but a lot of times it devolves into like mean girls, high school level dynamic uh, when you let these e-girls in, I hate to say it, but when it comes to, I noticed they have this, like the political right, the punditry class, it's always like unwoke women. There's something there. And I feel it's because there's this perception that like right-wing ideology or even nominally conservative ideology is always going to be like a sausage festival for men and that there's no place. But on the other side, if you actually examine what a lot of the feminists have written about, I believe it was Andrea Dworkin that wrote about right-wing women about like, and her explanation was of course very like condescending that the reason uh, women gravitate to a certain type of women gravitate towards the right is because they want protection from the patriarchy. And so they're basically pick these, right? But I don't think that, I think that politi politically though, women are more complex as a quote unquote, like social policy or voting block because a lot, you know, especially family women, they have other interests that probably great with like modern progressive ideology. And we saw this during Trump. Trump really did upend a lot of these political categories when it came to like gender war stuff, um, when it came to social policy, but also the nature of the trend, like you mentioned, of the right wing going to sleep whenever they're in power. Because the reason that that didn't happen under Trump, maybe it led to the left being even more, you know, energized than ever was because Trump, for the sheer power of being the number one poster, and for, for all of his flaws, he was the number one Twitter poster, as I've said before, as many people have said. Um, every day was a state of exception. Every day was an emergency because he would tweet out, like, these people are evil. These people want to take your children. You have to go after, like, he didn't say go after them, you know, like he wasn't fed posting, but, but yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really changed the nature from the old school, like, right side of the liberal spectrum of politics, especially under the Bush and the Obama years to like this, like energetic, vitalistic, reactionary politics of like every single day is a new issue to go after. But the role of women was very interesting in that because, you know, like I say, I think like a lot of us have our predispositions, especially the political right. You know, again, I'm not saying like I'm a wholesome chungus women respecter. I'm just, I'm saying this purely as a fact that women are a lot more complex politically than we like to think. Right. And yes, it is true that they're more influenced by the social, you know, the social apparatus around us than men. That's, you know, okay, fine. That's true. Uh, but I do think that 
especially under Trump, there were that there was that segment of women that didn't go along with it. And a lot of them were family women. A lot of them were married and so forth. And that's, you know, different. But when it comes to like the quote unquote ex-leftist like woman that maybe, I don't think Anna, Anna Kasparian's this. I don't know if she's like really cemented her grift game thus far, but you know, there are certain ones that have, there are certain ones that sort of play up certain issues on the political right but slowly start to drop off other ones. So, for example, um, a lot of the quote-unquote ex-woke leftists, they will say, like, you know, the trans children stuff, that's too far. That's, you know, that's the left going insane, right? The, the perfect eagle, the left has gone insane. But when it comes to other very important issues, especially immigration, that's never mentioned. Or rather, the discourse is selectively cropped away from other issues, Right. And even when it came to the Radfems, I mean, the, there was a significant, and, and, you know, besides the, the Roe court ruling before that, you know, there is a significant ratcheting down of pro-life discourse because you had this like obsession with the Red Brown Alliance and, you know, Radfems are disenfranchised by the left. And, you know, and hey, listen, I sympathize with them because a lot of the radical feminists are sort of politically homeless now. Because the right wing, certainly we have our own ideas about natural hierarchy and the role of you know, family life and so forth. And the political left does not tolerate them whatsoever because women, you know, the trans thing has demonstrated one thing, is that the older model of women in particular being like the revolutionary subject of the progressive left, that's no longer holding anymore. They need a more pure revolutionary subject. And we know the ones that are more pure than like women as a whole, as a block. So I think you're going to see a lot of anarchists in the future. Um, you'll see them become politically homeless before our eyes. The debate is whether the right should really welcome them with open arms, right? I mean, that's yeah. I that, yeah. Without right. saying too much, I hope I didn't offend too many women out there. But you know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I but you know, and and obviously, like um, the fact that she is was specifically moved in many ways by the trans stuff is particular yeah. to her being female. But we can see the cycle for multiple people, right? Many males uh, from the left have, have kind of gone through this too. So this this one is, there are unique aspects that are female, but but uh, we, we can see this behavior, the cycle mirrored in others. I wanted to go ahead and run down. So I did a little bit of research for the stream. Uh, like Dave the Distributist, I decided to watch... <sighs> Adam and Stitch, um, you know, because they had Anna Kasparian on doing her like, oh, no, uh, yeah, I've left the left, uh, you know, kind of dance. I didn't leave the left. The left left, left me. me. <laughs> yep. yeah. Play the classic one more time from the top. Um, oh, so uh, I, I wanted to understand because, like I said, I hadn't really interacted with anything from the Young Turks in a long time. And so I wanted to go ahead and understand kind of what the events were here. So uh, we'll play a clip from that in just a second, because there's a choice clip that we got to play. Uh, but uh, but before we get that, uh, so the background for her, like these were the steps that she described for her, her uh, not so red pilled, red pilled journey. Uh, so the first thing was like the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Okay. Yeah. So it was, was apparently just like, you know, all the things came out. She believed everything she heard. Uh, she was on there screaming along with Chank, you know, on uh, calling him murder. And then like the video came out and she's like, uh, no, this kid just didn't want to die. <laughs> and like yeah. everybody else kept telling her, no, no, he's a murderer. He killed these people. She's like, no, he he clearly was about to get clubbed to death by a guy. And then like another guy had a gun 
and was getting ready to shoot him, like he's obviously defending his life. You can have all the debates you want about whether he should be there and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. like the truth is very clear. He did not just spray a, you know, a, a gun into a crowd of, you know, black people at a protest. Like this guy was defending himself literally against pedophiles and domestic abusers, you yeah. know, crowd full of communists who would have guessed. Well, um, well, you know, the Rittenhouse trial was a great filter for people. Like it was a great litmus test for a lot of people and a lot of people failed, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. yeah but apparently that, that was, a was like kind of one of her first moments of breaking open. And then like the next one is kind of these, uh, these uh, hate hoax uh, witch hunts that keep coming up. So I don't know if you remember like the bird watching guy with the girl, with the woman's oh, dog yeah, in the park. Oh yeah, yeah, the bird, yeah, there's a term for bird watching. There's a technical term, but yeah, I remember yeah, this. Yeah, one. yeah, so, so uh, you know, and the, you know, he played it up as if she was a racist for like calling the cops on him, but she called the cops because this guy was like, try was like aggressively, you know, uh, you know, trying to get her dog to come over to him and threatening her and like, and so, uh, you know, again, Kasparian went along with everything at first, but once she saw the video, she's like, okay, no, obviously like this guy is harassing a woman. Like I thought we were against that, but actually just because she got called a racist publicly, same thing with the, uh, with the woman who got the bike, you know, uh, and had yeah, to, the pregnant woman. Yeah. 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 They yeah. the nurse who they, they tried to, to take her bike, similar situation where she just keep kept seeing these things where it's like, this is obviously not a person who went out of their way to do something racist. It's a woman yeah. being intimidated by somebody. And we're siding with the people who intimidate the woman because racism is the more important narrative than yeah. woman being harassed. So, so that was kind of the next thing. And then, uh, and this is the one I said we get to eventually, uh, she was actually personally assaulted. So like, you know, uh, mm. obviously crime rampant in these cities, getting worse and worse every day, you know, leftists completely ignoring it. She's complaining about it. She's being told she's a racist because she's complaining about the crime. And then two guys uh, assault her. Like one guy, two homeless guys assault her. One guy apparently tried to like dry hump her like in, oh in, in, in everything. And so, uh, you know, she complains about this and she was told that complaining about this was racist. <laughs> like, like complain. Yeah. And it turned out, I guess that they were two white guys, but whatever, like everyone, even her leftist friends, when they heard about the assault, assumed that the assailants would be minority men. And that's that crazy talking about the, what was, was racist. So she was literally mugged. Like she's a neocon because literally she was mugged. <laughs> like that's, that actually is thing. So yeah. then we get, so then we get the turf stuff that we already talked about. I believe a trans person left TYT because of it in a Kasparian. Apparently she was reported yeah. to uh, human resources inside yeah. the company multiple times. Well, like, doesn't for, she own her and Chunk Yu-Gi-Oh? Like own the two young I, characters? I don't, I don't think understand. she owns it. I know she's like the, she's like the executive producer of the main yeah. show. I know Chank has part of it, right? And yeah. then, like, I don't know, royal families somewhere on the rest of it. But yeah, uh, there's some kind of yeah. thing going. Yeah, well, it's speculating, but you know. But but either way, like she, um, you know, she, she got reported to HR for saying like, I don't want to be called a birthing person. Um, and then, like, oh. finally, now she's at this point where she did her research on uh, puberty blockers, and uh oh, it turns out like actually these aren't harmless things. Uh, that you can just take yeah. and they, they arrest puberty. Uh, they actually like permanently damage children and are very likely to cause like serious issues. Um, and now the left hates her. So this is, this, yeah. these are kind of been the issues that she's kind of fallen down, uh, you know, the rabbit hole with each one uh, taking kind of the next step towards this position where now she's politically homeless. Yeah, exactly. So 
that yeah, the the red pilling of Anakisparian's been quite uh, you know, it, it is funny how a lot of it does come from like, you know, upper class, you know, liberals being sheltered from the consequences of the own, their own policies until it, they're not sheltered anymore. Um, that's crazy. I always, I always assumed that TYT was from New York, but they're from California. Yeah. They're yeah. yeah. Out of LA. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. okay. I believe so. I believe LA is where they were at, but yeah. So obviously everyone knows how bad. And she said, you know, she's like, I'm just being gaslighted by crime. I'm watching people break into stores. I'm watching people, you know, shoplifting rings come through and steal things. I'm being sexually assaulted on the street. I know people are getting shot and, and my liberal friends are all telling me, no, that's not happening. That's racist propaganda. Like, like at some yeah. point, you know, yeah. uh, you, you kind of have to, but I wanted to play this real quick because she said something, uh, that I knew was coming. I knew this line is coming, but I want to talk about it a little bit here. So, uh, we'll just go ahead and play this real quick. Let me know if you can't hear it. That's funny because that really yeah, resonates with me. I definitely don't see myself on the right. Right. <laughs> but of course. I, I don't know. I don't, again, I just really want to reiterate, I don't fit in anywhere at this point. Like, I don't think there's really a label that perfectly describes me. And to be quite honest, I think attaching myself to a label limits limits me it limits yeah. my ability to like really think about each individual issue critically and carefully and that's that's i think that's really important to have a more accurate perspective of the world around you listen we got yeah. a label for you okay? no 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 don't take the centrist label <laughs> enlightened okay? centrist it's, it's, anyway so so the reason I wanted Most to play, interesting. yeah, the, yeah. The, by the way, this was this was a painful stream. I I don't know how people like Dave Distributus is always watching this stuff, and so we don't have to. And I guess God bless him because I I don't want to watch yeah. any more of it. But anyway, uh, so I, I I thought a couple fascinating things came out of that. First, anytime someone makes this journey, anytime someone goes from left to right, the 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 words are always the same. It's always the same. Yeah. I don't want to be first. It's I'm not on the right. Right. Because I have to make it clear at any point. I'm in control of this conversion. I'm not I'm not listening to you guys. I'm not in dialogue with what you're saying. You have to be in dialogue with me. Right. And so I so I'm not on your team and I'm not one of the bad guys, you know. And so I want to you know, that power dynamic is already there at the beginning. Yeah. The discourse is already cemented. It's so, yeah, exactly. But the other thing is. um being part of a team limits me, right? So it's always about the individual. It's always about oh. me as a person and where I'm at, which is funny because these people are professional political pundits. Yes. It's their job yes. to understand political issues and how they work. And the first thing you should understand about political punditry as a political pundit, political issues, it's not about the individual. No one cares. No, no one cares about your utopian assortment of well thought over policy issues. It's a knife fight between two gangs, right? And it's and so when you say I'm homeless and I don't have a team, what you're saying is I don't understand how politics works. I think politics is about me having the properly articulated, most accurate policy positions. No, yeah. <laughs> that's not how that yeah. works at all. But it, but it's about, but it's about her personal journey. It's about each individual issue. If we could all just listen to each other, then it, you know, that that's always the the way they seem to understand it whenever they kind of make this journey. Yeah, she's speed running the Dave Rubin. Let's all sit down and talk. Right, right. You know, right. but the political conditions for that are like long gone. Um, I see, and today 
I was going to release an episode of Content Minded on Wednesday, but you know, I'm currently writing a book, as most people know on uh, you know who follow me, uh, and I'm going to have to write an article about this anonymity debate with Jordan Peterson and uh, Richard Hanania and so forth. Um, you know, even Michael though I use Trace my face, yeah, yeah. Even though I use my, we both use our real faces and real names. Uh, I we're still very pro anon for a reason. Uh, but I think like people miscredit Peterson why he's against anonymity, why he has this terrible fear of it. But anyways, um, I bring this up because I noticed that the political punditry class, there always is a, it's like a safe thing, um, but it, there's always an appeal. Which and again, Oren, like you know, you you've read like you know. You've read your ju ju juvenile and your Burnham and your, you know, your elite theory school. Uh, you've read your mold bug. So you know that the appeal to sort of a utilitarian and objective rationality in politics is already going to be coded within a form of like modern liberal managerialism. If we can just appeal to like unbiased, quote unquote, social policy that can, quote unquote, work for people. Um, like, OK, I'm sorry, Anna, but. If you want to get rid of the homeless problem in California, there's going to be like tons of very scary political decisions that are going to make you uncomfortable in order to do that. Now, I'm not saying anything by that. I'm not saying like, listen, I think the right wing goes a bit too far. I think that we should have compassion for homeless people. Uh, you know, I've known a lot of homeless people because I too live in it's maybe it's not as bad as in, you know, in Ontario, but I too live in a Rust Belt area. And uh, yeah, so, but I do think that when it comes to, the way in which the political class or whatever you want to call them, I believe California is run by nine political families. Uh, the way they've handled the crisis of homelessness in California. And we could even talk about the climate and the geographic re you know, reason why there's so many homeless in California, but the way that they've handled it, the way that they've like thrown the average taxpaying citizen under the bus in order to fix, it, it's going to create a lot of like very scary states of exception that's going to have to have a legitimacy of rulership, real rulership, that is going to make people on the political left uncomfortable. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just obvious. So the sort of like appeal to quote unquote rational public policy that is beyond ideology is itself a liberal claim, is itself a tautological circle that a lot of these people from like Dave Rubin to like, I guess, you know, Anna, Anna Kasparian now, um, they employ this sort of like, I don't want to be put in any label. I'm not of this or that. Well, I hate to say it, but people like, and, and this is, I think, where even the political right in some regard got it wrong, especially during the Gamergate days, not casting shade on friends of ours. You know, I, mm. I still have very good respect for Don Sargone, uh, Carl Benjamin. But I think that the, the from the outset, the sort of appeal to this, like, let's not be so political let's just worry about the ethics in gaming journalism. That was sort of the wrong message because we're already crossed the threshold within this, you know, quote unquote, post-truth or hyper-modern reality that we're living in, where it's not just that like things become politicized. It's just that by nature of the everydayness of life, things have a political comportment, have a political function. Because politics, in the absence of metaphysics, that is what fills the void for most people nowadays, right? We're, we're dealing with something higher than ourselves. So the sort of appeal to like a post-political world where we can all just agree on what is, you know, we can use, you know, to, to 
you know, bring in, I guess, Habermas here, we can appeal to this communicative action, this communicative rationality that we have, where we can talk it out. We can have like the pure logical social policy. That's never, that's never going to be reality. And the people that constructed that ideology themselves had an alternative agenda of like, well, actually rationality only falls within the margins of my progressive political ideology imagine that it's like you know every you know the good guys won every single war in human history and you know the bad guys always lost and oh the good you know only science agrees with the good guys and only prudent social policy agrees with the quote-unquote good people on the right side of history so it's a con it's a game that's like a long-winded theory so i'll take to just say that you really can't construct a purely post-political rationality when it comes to like these griping you know, social, domestic, and even geopolitical issues, right? I mean, and I think like it's very rich for someone like Anna, you know, Anna Kasparian to come along after like, you know, like literal, like almost multiple decades of just like dumping on the political right. I mean, didn't she even cancel um what's his name? Who is I guess he's another like post left or rather, you know, um Bernie, I you know, Red Brown Alliance type, but what's the guy, not Sam Cedar, the other guy um, that sure. was a, you know, like she accused him of being sexist or whatever. Um, Man, she, uh, like, what's his name? Not Jimmy Dore, right? Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Dore. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah Jimmy Dore. Um, you know, because he was a critic of the war and, and uh, you know, American social, you know, American geopolitics. Right. Um, you know, she, I believe the, the thing was that, like, she had a skirt that was too like revealing and Jimmy Dore said something in front of her students and she accused him of sex. And it was like from what Jimmy Dore says, again, I don't want to, you know, this is like allegedly, but Jimmy Dore, the way he said it was like, Anna tried to like knock him off from the position, sort of like, you know, stab him in the back a little. Yeah. So no, I mean, mean, Anna Kasparian has been talking about how evil the right is, how like, how how uh, kind of uh, yeah. ontologically evil the chuds are uh, for <laughs> yeah, years, yeah. right? Like she remember the yeah. speech about how much better she was than you. Like remember? Oh, that, that was great. That was I, great, Keto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. one of the yeah. I'm better than you. Yes, I am a better person than you. That's why yeah. I deserve to rule you. That's remember why when I she fat shamed Alex Jones <laughs> yeah. during the the yeah yeah like, like she. Stuff I can't say on YouTube. She started used a lot of expletives, and she had this little cat fight back when Leanne McAdoo used to work for Infowars. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. yeah. But so but, this is this is who she's been the whole time, right? And uh, like so, she she has been one of these people who just assumed the other side was at their base evil. And it was really nice, you know, for a minute while I was watching the stream, even though in, in general it was cringe. It was very nice for a moment just to realize how clueless the left is too. They're just yeah. she's just like I don't understand why we can't talk about the economics anymore i just don't get it guys like i don't i don't understand why why they keep focusing on this stuff and not the not the it's like (laughs) oh really like you you don't understand you don't get it It, it's it's kind of mind-blowing but but they don't like i i've run into enough of these people now where i believe them i don't i don't think they're playing 4d chess i think they just literally don't see uh don't see what's going on there but yeah, it's very clear that as they're having this conversation, as she's having you know conversation with Adam and and PSA Stitch and all these, they're like, oh well, uh, you know, I just don't understand why we can't talk things out and and just arrive at the, their logical conclusion. Why can't everyone just reason through everything together? And it's like, uh, because the average person is uh, watching NFL or Real Housewives in between, like yelling at their kids and getting back from 
50 hours at a like a mind destroying job like that and why is it the gas is more expensive why is it basic produce is more expensive <laughs> than ever before you know like, i mean hey like spending some time in america recently you guys have it even better than us leafs okay everything is expensive in canada even adjusting for inflation so yeah that's what the average person is more concerned with yeah the, the average person just does not actually spend time accumulating a careful amount of uh, properly positioned political ideas and mm -hmm. to sit there as a professional political pundit and say, why doesn't everyone do in their spare time what I do badly for a living is just kind of yeah. wild to me. Like it just shows such a complete lack of understanding of what politics is really about. Like your problem is not that you don't agree on certain policy positions it's that you literally don't agree on basic tenets of morality value and life like like yeah. you, you cannot find a common there is no common position between people who think they must mutilate children to save their lives and people who think that child mutilation is evil there is no middle no. ground there is there is no position you can negotiate between those two and the fact that they, they, they just continue to fall into that like conversational rut like it's just uh you know the i think uh, dave calls it the chatbot reset you know it's like it's like okay next next uh edition of neocons rolled off the assembly line time to have all the exact yeah. same conversations we had 10 years ago when this happened as if nothing has changed because i guess it yeah. hasn't well i mean to be fair though anna does come from an older school of the uh, not even far left but let's say progressive left that you know really came about during the bush years and then into the obama years i'm specifically talking about the remnants of like sort of the anti-globalization people like you know abby like people that were on russia today like people like abby martin or tom hartman or you know Ad, Ad, amy goodman from democracy now or chris hedges by the way i do still even though trump broke his brain i do still quite admire a lot of chris hedges's writing uh but you know these people a lot of them you know trumpism really destroyed them mentally so they had to capitulate to even like a more progressive neoliberalism when it came to specifically economic policies because the sort of like american protectionism was being seized upon by the maga chuds um now also so i don't catch a stray i don't know anything really about uh, what's his name uh, adam and sitch is that i only know that because distributors hate these guys and yeah, yeah. he hates these guys uh, yeah, what are yeah. they like just centrist what are they so i remember adam friended a long time ago um i remember he, he used to have a picture picture of uh, grand admiral thrawn i don't know how star wars oh, yeah. extended <laughs> yeah. old but before they made uh star wars even worse um so he used to have a picture of him and that was like his his um uh uh, moniker and he was kind of in that skeptic sphere he was kind of in that oh, uh, displaced yeah. leftist sphere and then yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really pay any attention to him for a long time but i guess at some point he ended up streaming with this other guy who's kind of adjacent to that and they mm -hmm. like do a constant show from this rational right. centrist viewpoint so they're you know they're doing the we're disaffected liberals why can't why can't the the right and the left just you know be be enlightened like us and kind of yeah. understand all the problems of the world um i don't i don't have any particular problems with either of them other than just like this we disagree was, with them and and just it wasn't very enlightening it was just it's, again it's just things i heard i remember watching you know political youtube you know seven or eight years ago and hearing oh, exactly yeah. the same <laughs> conversations yeah. 
and so you know it was just that kind of thing but uh um i wanted to bring attention yeah but th thank you or i just want to say that because i have nothing against these people i mean i'm friends with dave and maybe uh you know i i gotta be in pocket for my friend you know because dave you know the has been really great to me so you know but uh, other than that i have no i have no ill will but it's but it's funny that they have the pull to get anna kasparian on that's you know so they're probably bigger streamers but um, certainly bigger than, you know, the digital archipelago, by the way, this Thursday, we're going to cover <laughs> a bit of Spangler on Prudentialist's nice. channel. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I wanted to say, uh, do you remember when you quote, when you capped that, um, tweet by counterpoint, not counterpoint, counterpoint, mm -hmm. uh, totally different people. Uh, do you remember who replied to counterpoints there? I feel like I do, but it's not coming to mind right away. Well, speaking of Gamergate. Speaking of our our good friend Sargon of the COD, Carl Benjamin, rising from the ashes of Gamergate, none other than Brianna Wu. Oh, comes no. in <laughs> With a folding chair, like did the music play? Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. The music yeah. played. It's sort of like, kind of like, you know, John Moxley goes through the crowd and like, you know, <laughs> we're like, no, 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 here's an old reference. This is how much of an old head I am when it comes to wrestling. It's kind of like the Sandman coming from the crowd in the ECW arena with the kendo stick and, uh, you know, taking it to Tommy Dreamer or Spike Dudley. So that's how my, that's, you know, I have, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, AA was impressed with my wrestling knowledge. So that, I'm, that's, I'm sure. Funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Brianna Wu, what she said was very interesting. And on my telegram post, I included it because of it. Um, of course, you know, I have a Brianna Wu blocked for OPSEC reasons. So, um, she said that it doesn't matter if it's only 10% of the disagreement because that 10% of disagreement with the left is the linchpin of the entire leftist project, which is true. Which is 100% so, correct. Yeah. yeah yes. So to give our good friend Kathafian on his credit, the woke are more correct than, I know it's like, it's yes. the woke are more correct than the mainstream because you have to realize that when it comes to the view of life, when it comes to the view of the revolutionary subject itself, um, the sort of the, the reason the trans stuff has really ascended into political discourse is because that is the linchpin of how you view, kind of like the abortion debate, how you view the subject and human worth and human life itself. Because when Brianna Wu comes in there and says that while Anna Kasparian may, even though numerically it's only 10% of, I don't believe it's it's probably more than 10% at this sure, point. Sure, but whatever. Yeah. Well, for argument's sake. Even though it's a minor disagreement, quote unquote, that disagreement is of an existential, terrible um, emergency level when it comes to her disagreement. Because if you do disagree with the plasticity of the human subject when it comes particularly around, you know, and, and like, a, you know, a lot of her friends, like people like Alex, because have talked about this, how, you know, if you, you know, in the liberal modern world, you know, if, if children can't consent, then nobody can consent because everyone has to have the agency to consent to whatever they wish, right? Because we're also was going, it was, it would undermine the core ethics of this sort of like, you know, rootless post set, you know, post religious secular world order that we're living under, right? The end of history sort of social morality, quote unquote. So the reason why it's such a vicious shelling point for the political left is because really that does culminate into a lot of different strands of ideology. And I know a lot of good people in the political right have talked about this, but it's something that we shouldn't 
really neglect as to why they're so crazy. Why is the left gone insane with the trans stuff? A lot of people that are like normal punditry people on the political right, the, the sort of like Fox News circuit people, they think that this is like an aberration that they're uniquely going crazy over and yeah. they're going to like burn their mana going crazy. And then eventually they'll pull back to like liberal centrism. No, it's not. It's not that because it's an integral issue. And so unironically, Brianna Wu is more correct than Anna Kasparian because it's so integral to their project and their view of human life and their view of the sort of like utopian future of the political left in general. Um, you know, and like having read a lot of, you know, not a lot, but like having read a fair bit of academic literature around this issue. Um, yeah, that's why. I mean, I think, again, like you were saying, it goes to the sort of mismanagement of her own ideas of Anna Kasparian. Because when it comes down to it, she should have realized how integral it is. I mean, she hangs around with leftists. I mean, the trans people are employed by TYT. She should know this. Well, so, yeah. The, it's, oh, go it's, ahead, Oren, go ahead. It's what happens when you don't understand the structures, right? When you think right. that, when you don't understand that marriage is defined by a man and woman, because that's what it is at its essence, when you think that's just some kind of bigoted position, then you don't understand the process that's occurring. You don't understand that the redefinition is itself like a breaking down of natural hierarchies, a breaking down of kind of natural conditions that are necessary for societal health. And so that's why you get blindsided then when they mm -hmm. go to redefine woman, because for some reason you thought the biology, remember when we used to think this, that like biology would be a barrier to the revolution, right. that hard right. sciences would be protected, that the, the physical parts of a woman uh, would, would, would uh, make it impossible to redefine what a woman was. But of course it wasn't like, but, but they, because they don't understand the process that that's under they're under, they don't understand like the, the pressures and the incentive structures that are happening inside their own movement. They're just blown away when they become a yeah. victim of it because they, because for them, they were, they weren't breaking anything down. They were just fighting bigots, right? Like there, exactly. there couldn't possibly have been a purpose for that. Like this is all just backward, ignorant thinking. There's no theory of mind on the left. There's no theory right. of mind for like why the right is defending things. They're just all either stupid or evil. And so yeah. they, and so when like the inevitable mechanical uh, part of the revolution gets to the next thing, they're just like, well, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, because they never, yeah. they never grasp it in the first place. Well, that's, I talk about this a bit in my book about a uh, neoliberal catch. I mean, when it comes to political fandoms, right. And, uh, you know, uh, and I have to cut, credit my friend. I know people don't like, uh, cause well, I have to credit my friend, Catherine D for the, the analysis of uh, fandoms, you know, default friend. Uh, but when it comes down to it, the reason that there, the discourse is the way it is, is because of the view, like you were mentioning, of the theory of mind of the political left. Now, there was, it's very difficult because the left does have a, like, a, a very muddled model of political agency. There are those who are more theory sellish that do talk about social constructionism and who do talk about how you're an amalgamation of social forces. Now, a lot of the theorists that are the foundation of that like Michel Foucault, they weren't making a moral imperative claim. Michel Foucault was making a claim of pure observation. Hence why Noam Chomsky in that debate in, you know, in, in I believe, was it California in the 1970s, said that Michel Foucault was the most amoral man he ever met in his life, right? 
point being is that they then take this discourse and run with it. Now, there are this other subsect of like, you know, a lot of Bernie bros were attracted to this, of the sort of like parapolitics model, where it's sort of kind of like conspiracy theory model of political power, but applied to the political, you know, the political left. So, for example, like, you know, the CIA conducts all of these missions in the third world and the CIA was created by ex-Austrian painter fans and so forth. And like, it's, you know, it's it's a very weird amalgamation. But when it comes to the political right, um, there are more honest people on the political left who have like outright said this. People like, you know, again, the Gamergate days, um, Arthur Chu had this great thread back in 2021, if you remember. Um and listen, my good friend Jay Burden's gonna like really pop. Uh people like Bob Chipman, you know, movie Bob. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're incredibly brutally honest that they view the political right as not even worthy of their life, that they are a sort of swarm, a mass that will only serve as a contagion that must be eradicated from proper discourse, if not physically, because you know that's like probably what they're implying in their heart of hearts, right? Yeah, they're not um, implying, they're, they're not very careful about that implication. Yeah, there. yeah. So I, I wrote in my book um, in the one chapter about political fandoms and kitsch, um, this one thread that came out after, um, I don't know if you should say it in YouTube, that one event that happened in the Capitol a few years ago. Yes. Ashley Babbitt. The day um, of walking around, yes. Exactly, the day of walking, exactly. So, um, there's this thread that Arthur Chu did, if you remember of Gamergate fame, Arthur Chu, that talked about Ashley Babbitt as like basically, a, a, you know, a literal cockroach that was exterminated. And therefore the political right, you shouldn't tolerate them because quote unquote, morality is inverted to them. So when you hate them, you love them. When you love them, you hate them. It's like, in, in other words, all, all of the sort of liberal humanist norms can be ex- suspended in that state of exception when it comes to the political right. And there are a lot of left, there are leftists that are like brave enough. And I do recommend, I, I do commend people like Bob Chipman and like Arthur Chu who just come out and say it. Yeah. And, and who are, who don't like, you know, who don't beat around the bush. So this whole, this whole thing about, I misjudge the political left. I mean, that really doesn't fly nowadays because I think that things are not what they were in 2012. Things are not what they were in 2015. Things are nowadays, right? Like, I mean, in other words, discourse has matured enough to where even Anna Kasparian should know what she was getting into. When you're and sitting in those a- rooms and the person yeah. next to you is leaning forward and basically being like, we should probably get rid of the chuds. Like yeah. as a class, yeah. no. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, like when they're- No, but even they're- class politics, like this whole obsession, yeah. a lot of these like post-left people, they use like, old Marxist language of class politics. I mean, in America, the distinctions between classes are sort of like scantily fading and like what class politics is. I mean, yes. I mean, if a Marxist is listening to this, they could make an argument that there is such a thing still as class politics, but really, I mean, it's sort of like why a lot of conservatives are taken into this idea of like, well, we have to accept the post left people because like, you know, the post woke people, because there's like this unified force of like my and wholesome multicultural working class. I don't think working class people having like grown up and being in the working class. I mean, I don't think we're all unified. We're not like singing Kumbaya on the worker collective. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, this I've, is, I've, yeah. I've been reading, uh, I've been reading uh, uh, regime change by Patrick Deneen. I have 
yeah. some questions. Uh, but, 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 but we can't get <laughs> well, into that now. We'll be here for another hour talking about. Yeah, the yeah. Well, I mean, I might, I might see know. if I can get Deneen on. He he follows me. We'll we'll see if I can. If yeah. I can actually, I do actually want to have a conversation about it. I just don't. I don't want to just rant about it though. Yeah. One probably could. Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah. I I think that um. I think you're right that there's kind of this inability of people to hide the ball anymore and pretend like they didn't know what the left was about. Like they're coming out and pretty much saying like, we have to oppress or eliminate the right in order to, you know, to have our utopia. And if you're still sitting around and pretending like, Oh, I misjudged the left. I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, yeah, they're, they're not really hiding the ball guys. So uh, you're, you're either an idiot or a liar. And either way, that means we don't really want you on the team. I have I have the actual code from Arthur Chu. I'll, I'll try to. Oh, okay. I'll I was try gonna to say, like, make sure it's uh, you know opsec friendly for YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So um, here we go. Arthur Chu. This is from January seventh, twenty twenty one. Wow. Ashley Babbitt feeding the worms is one of the few good things that happened as a result of the cat of the protest. And if you feel the need to mourn her, um, Austrian painter ass, I'll be easier for both of us if you unfollow me. When a bullet goes through the fatty tumor of an Austrian painter fan, has in the space where the human being would have a brain, nothing is lost. Pile of meat that moved and spoke and acted like a person we made to stop moving and thus could no longer fool people into thinking it was one of them. An Austrian painter fan is the opposite of a person. Therefore, our morality to them must be reversed. To hate them is to love. To harm them is to heal. To, to redact them is to bring life. You should feel less bad than you do about putting down a rabid animal. In the case, the rabid virus and the host are separate entities, one with the victim, the other. An Austrian painter fan is the disease. So the host and the disease are the same. And that is like probably, I think, I, I applaud Arthur too. That's like the most honest take I've ever saw someone on the contemporary left go on. It, it, it lets you know what time it is. Like you don't have to sit here and pretend anymore, right? Like, yeah. 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 There, there it is on, in display. All it's right, like well, it's one of your memes that you you know tap the sign right, right like it's yeah, exactly. yeah so there you go all right Gio. well we're gonna go to the questions of the people here in a second we got a few over there but before we do can you let people know where to find your excellent work yes i'm mostly known on on twitter um giant giant geo but uh my youtube channel is Giant productions my telegram is Giant productions i have my podcast content minded every went well not every wednesday because i'm writing my book um but I have my show with Prudentialist Digital Archipelago that is both on my channel, Giner Productions, and on his, The Prudentialist. And other than that, um, you know, I'm trying to, uh, I've been neglecting my artwork recently, and hopefully I can get the book out by early next year with my publisher. It's a, it's going to be called uh, Neoliberal Kitsch. Uh, what's, what's the title? Neoliberal Kitsch, Art in the 21st Century. That's this very simple title. Man, so, you, yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good. Uh, you always have to have those subtitles now, and uh, you, yeah. you manage to keep it into a few words. That's good. Usually, exactly. they're like a whole paragraph. And of course, um, if you go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jenner Productions, you can either go there or you can go to my Substack. Um, you know, my Substack is Geo's Content Corner. Both episodes will be available, like the full episodes of all podcasts will be available. Uh, I also do, when I have time, I do this review of different books and articles called Jenner Reviews. Um, so it starts at five dollars a month, but of course on Patreon, uh, you will get cool swag if you have, have the uh, twenty or fifty dollars tiers, including artwork. So uh, you know, go to Patreon.com/slash Giant Productions. Please support the content renaissance, and uh, yeah, it's really great. And I will on my Substack. I will. I'm aiming for the end of the week 
to have a quick piece about this anonymity issue that people like, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson and Richard Hanania are going on about against the, the anonymous frogs. So hopefully that'll be, you know, and, and this week's going to be great. Like I say, you know, Digital Archipelago, we're going to cover a Spangler thread. We're going to talk about science fiction. Last week, we talked on my channel with uh, Dave Martell of Bizarre Archives. Really great conversation. So giant, big content days all summer. It's going to be amazing. And also next week, I plan on releasing my episode with Spurgler Acolyte. Speaking of Spangler, we talked we talk for three hours about Decline of the West. So nice. that's going to be fun. Look out for that, my channel next week. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Make sure you check out all of Geo's excellent content, guys. Let's go over to your questions. And give Warren super chats, please. Here comes the super have chat. Time still. <laughs> all right. Uh, Nick uh, Cordylis. I'm hope, hope, hoping I'm getting that right. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Make Armenia major populated again. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it, but yeah. awkward that uh, that Chank, not a big fan of admitting the Armenian genocide and had yeah. an Armenian co-host and Anna Kasparian on. Very very strange uh, uh, interactions there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Oxlong, 499. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> yeah, good just, friend of mine. I'm just amazed that she finally took the plunge and declared her undenying allegiance to the Fuhrer of mid-century Germany. Oh, boy. Yeah, very, very <laughs> yeah. weird to see Anna Kasparian loading up those Roman salutes. Did not expect that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. She threw up some Roman. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah hail her victory, right? So there yes. you go. All, all, uh, all jokes here, kids, for those who are un unaware. Yeah, we're just joking. We don't want we don't want a lawsuit on our hands. So yeah. Be, be clear, these are jokes. Uh Life of Brian for 499. Uh the Young Turks has always been the most obvious bad faith actors on the internet left. The one <laughs> positive here is that the Young Turks uh thinks the right is the better grift. Uh yeah, well, I mean sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, it's it's pretty it's tough out there. It's tough. I mean, there are people, I think though, one last point I should make is that. There are people that are starting to say who are a bit more contrarian that the quote unquote right wing discourse, especially among the frogs that are it's being quote unquote mainstream and therefore they're going to like get it on the grift game. I don't see it anywhere apart from certain affectations of lifestyle choices. Apart from that, I still think that um, this take that like the political right discourse is being more normalized in a certain sense. Yes, because bigger voices are like, you know, as opposed to 10 years ago, starting to talk about things like immigration and, you know, the populations in European and North American countries. But other than that, like, I mean, I, I you, st we still are largely marginalized. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, as much as people like, you know, Tucker Carlson and the blaze, they're doing better with a lot of issues. Um, the whole like analysis that there's going to be like pop right-wing discourse, that's going to land you a solid punditry career, you know, outside of like the most mainstream normie con, like National Review stuff. I don't even think it's more, is it even profitable to rate for National Review anymore? I, I don't, don't even think know. so. It's a, it, if yeah. it is, if it is, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. 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 No, this whole analysis, I, I fundamentally disagree with, not because I'm preserving like the purity of, uh, of this thing of ours, but I'm just saying like, it doesn't, I mean, even though there's more people that are gravitating towards it, there's certainly more ex-leftists. It's because the the ins again the left has gone insane. So the insanity of the left will par with like you know a lot of these like former centrist pundits being like you know they're doing the Dave Rubin thing of like well the left left me. So there you go. Yeah. And then we have uh, Seasider here. I think just five dollars. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, sir. No question there, but I appreciate you super chatting there. <laughs> All right, guys, I think we got through everything. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Of course, want to thank Gio once again for coming on. Please make sure to check thank out yours. all his amazing Thank you, it's my pleasure. Stuff. 
No, absolutely. Always a great talk. Love having, uh, I had people saying, oh, you know, uh, uh the last things episode geo and last things every time you have those two on they just hit a home run so we'll have oh, yeah. to put an, another one of those together as well uh but make sure you're checking out all of geo stuff guys if it's your first time on the channel of course please make sure that you go ahead and subscribe i have a lot of people telling me they're not getting notifications for streams and stuff guys remember youtube is stupid they don't understand that subscribe means you want to actually see the things you subscribe to so you have to do the bell the notifications thing all that stuff if you actually want to know when we're going live and everything. And of course, if you want to get these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Or McIntyre show on all your favorite podcast platforms. When you do, make sure you leave that rating or review so that we get a nice bump in the algorithms. Thanks for coming by, everybody. Thanks again to Gio. And as always, we will talk to you next time.